from the WIA. This is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. This is WIA National News for week commencing August 10, 2014. I'm Brian, VK3GR. And I'm Robert, VK3DN. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Robert. Now, listeners, you may hear our voices have changed a little bit. We're in a really nice studio today with some extra kit compared to other weeks, and we had to do this after last week's news story about how to be a great radio presenter. Today's recording comes from a professionally designed recording booth so uh, in a studio, so... A little less echo, echo, echo. Yeah, that's right. We'll add it in post, perhaps. Yeah. For those listeners who don't know, Brian and I actually work at the uh, same place for quite a few hours each week, and I haven't seen your face this week. Brian, what's happened? I was in the city on uh, professional training uh, for my actual profession, not this um, professional room profession, and uh, it was a uh, Linux-related course for what I do at work. How'd you find it? Uh, my brain exploded around 2 o'clock on Wednesday afternoon, and it's taken me two and a half days to get it all back together again and uh, squash it back in through my ear. I hope that was uh, exploded in a good way. Yeah, oh, it's uh, really nice to see um, in any field, and I guess this is what really, you know, the technical side is what does it for amateur radio for us, just to see someone who knows what they're talking about tell you what you're playing with. Well, uh, how about we get into this week's news, Brian? Yeah, let's begin. Anzac 100. To commemorate Anzac 100, a series of articles is to appear in Amateur Radio magazine by the historian Peter Wolfenden, VK3RV. Here's a summary of one of them. An interesting article from the contents of the Australian War Museum and other records jointly is written by Will McGee, VK6UU, and Peter Wolfenden, VK3RV. On the 3rd of September 1939, Prime Minister Robert Menzies announced that we were at war. Almost a million Australians served. This included campaigns against Germany and Italy in Europe, the Mediterranean and North Africa, as well as Japan and the Pacific. The Australian mainland came under direct Japanese attack as aircraft bombed the northwest and midget submarines attacked Sydney Harbour. Nurses had gone overseas with the Australian Imperial Forces in 1940. However, during the early years, women were generally unable to make a significant contribution to the war effort in an official capacity. Labor shortages forced the government to allow women to take a more active role in war, and in February 1941, the RAAF established the Women's Auxiliary Australian Air Force. At the same time, female telegraphists were employed in the Navy, and eventually the Women's Royal Australian Naval Service was established in 1942. The Australian Women's Army Service began in 1941 to release fighting men for overseas. Whilst Australia's major effort from 1942 onwards was directed at defeating Japan, thousands of Australians continued to serve with the RAAF in Europe and in the Middle East. Some 3,500 Australians were killed in this campaign, making it the costliest of the war. During the war, over 30,000 were taken prisoner and 39,000 gave their lives. Two-thirds of those taken prisoner were captured by the Japanese in Southeast Asia in the first weeks of 1942. The German High Command surrendered effective at midnight on the 8th and 9th of May 1945. On the 14th of August 1945, Japan surrendered too, making the end of World War II. And thanks to Jim Linton, VK3PC, for that report. And now to some World War I special event stations. August 3rd saw the start of a very unusual special event call sign, GB1418 War. 
commemorating the 1914 to 1918 First World War. Activity will be on top band to 28 megahertz, mainly on SSB, but with some CW, QSL via M0OXO. A special call sign, CF3Navy, will be on the air for the month of August to celebrate 100 years of the submarine service of the Royal Canadian Navy. QSL manager is VE3RCN. ZZ Spark Gap, the declaration of the First World War, was made from Whitehall at 2300 on the 4th of August 1914. By midnight, the high-powered Spark Gap generator at Poldo in Cornwall broadcast the news to all British merchant ships using the call sign ZZ. To mark the centenary, the Radio Officers Association have organised an event in collaboration with the Polder Amateur Radio Club. The call sign GB100ZZ will operate from 4th of August to the original site where the message was sent. The special event is in honour of the sacrifice made by all wireless operators during the Great War, irrespective of sides. See the website at www.500kcs.org for full information. And now to around VK, starting in VK2. The Hunter Radio Group, VK2 AWX, will be operating in the RD contest on August the 16th and 17th from the very beautiful Luskentire Vintage Airport Museum, located at Pywells Road, Luskentire. This is an active airport, and if you are interested as an aircraft enthusiast or you're just interested in the camaraderie of our hobby, then this will be the contest for you. They're inviting anyone who wants to be involved in this premium contest to come and support the team. Hunter Radio Group members or not are needed as contesters and people to carry out the logging duties. They have bunkhouse accommodation available on a first-come, first-served basis and there'll be barbecue facilities available. Please let them know if you're coming and so they can organise for some catering. For further details, contact Jamie, VK2YCJ, or Graham, VK2FA, on 0418 686 397. Now, continuing on with the uh, Hamfest theme, after we had a joke last week, Rob, that the social scene now should be called the Massive Hamfest List, it looks like it's triggered four or five more people to uh, give us the news. So, to VK3 Rosebud Radio Fest, 9am Sunday, November 30th. Rosebud is the ultimate ham fest, so they say. Displays, talks, prizes, demos, exhibits, new and pre-loved gear sales, talk-ins, special guests, emergency services communication, Wyson, Alara, other clubs, help for the new operators, fully catered at excellent prices, plenty of free on-site parking, and all housed at the best venue in Australia, Rosebud. It is a nice place down there. It is. Not too far from here. Good ham fest too. It is, yep. And really, ham fests are all about the hobby. Catching up and eyeball QSOs with each other and, uh, you know, promoting the club. And your camaraderie in the uh, hobby, as we uh, VK2 guys pointed out, yeah. Okay, to the Ballarat Amateur Radio Group, that's B-A-R-G, the Barghamvention. The Ballarat Amateur Radio Group will hold their annual hamvention on Sunday the 19th of October 2014. And the location for this one? The Ballarat Greyhound Racing Club in Rubicon Street, Redan, Ballarat. It starts at 10am and finishes around 1pm. Additional info? Check out their website www.barg.org.au or email hamvention at barg.org.au. Those details you can read in the text edition. Now to VK4 on the Redcliffe Club, we've got Ray VK4CF. Redfest. 
That'll be held again this year on the 11th of October 2014 and will be at St Michael's School, the same venue as last year, near the Abbey Museum. This time it will be bigger and better than last year, but we'll still maintain the traditional selling tables for those hard-to-get items. More details to come as they come through. The menu is just about set, but put the date in the diary, please. The 11th of October 2014 at St Michael's School, Caboolture, near the Abbey Museum. That's Redfest 2014. Well, thanks, Ray. It's always good when uh, people send us audio that we can include in the broadcast. Just uh, encourage everyone to think about doing that. I like the enthusiasm in their voice, too. Yeah, it's really good. Okay, now to uh, in VK4, continuing in VK4, to the Cardwell Gathering on October Long Weekend. Do you remember the FNNQARG? That would be the Far North North Queensland Amateur Radio Group, I do believe. Held for years at Mission Beach, South Mission Beach, Carmine Beach and Cardwell. Well, some hefty cyclones put a stop to the famous gathering for a while. But now it's reborn as the Cardwell Gathering and it will be taking place from Friday afternoon, October the 3rd to Monday morning, October the 6th at the Cardwell Beachcomber Motel and Tourist Park. This is a call to all hams and support crews not only locally but also the grey nomad types and anyone interested in taking up the hobby of amateur radio to spend a long weekend in paradise. Meet up with friends, swap ideas, catch up on new techniques and perhaps even build a new thingy, cook up a masterpiece, socialise, engage in extreme loafing, uh, a lost art form I do believe, uh, Brian? Oh, no, no, I'm bringing you back as well. <laughs> Are you? Yep. After your week of training. Okay, uh, sorry about that, listeners. Um, they go on to say there'll be a visits to local attractions such as the Rainforest, to Reef Info Centre, a Telegraph Museum. They want to kill a fish or two. They want to mangle a Jesse's Farm famous pie or three, engage in some group games for young and old, rekindle the famous North versus South cricket match, Recycle some treasure at the famous Monster Auction. Yes, the Cardwell Beachcomber Motel and Tourist Park has a wide range of accommodation choices. So, for more information and to book, there's a toll-free number 1-800-005-633. Book in early. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. And now to Roger Harrison with some news from the WIA board. On the 30th of July, the WIA lodged a submission with the Australian Communications and Media Authority, the ACMA, putting a case to preserve a future for our 9 centimetre amateur band in the microwave spectrum, which spans from 3300 to 3600 megs, where the amateur service is secondary. The submission was our response to the ACMA's current inquiry into future licensing arrangements in what they called the 3.5 gigahertz band, which extends from 3400 to 3600 megs. To many amateurs, this sort of effort, defending a forlorn microwave band, probably seems like the championing of lost causes, defeated before we even get to storm the ramparts of the enemy's castle. After all, Cashed-up telcos are willing to hand out big bucks for all sorts of licences from which they can generate considerable cash flows. I have learned from long experience that it pays to put aside such self-defeating thoughts and think creatively about the issues at hand. The famous Spanish musician Pablo Casals summed up what to do when faced with seemingly daunting situations. He said, The situation is hopeless. 
we must take the next step. Defending our spectrum allocations and operating conditions is one of the Institute's primary roles. Success, however small, benefits all amateurs. So, when any of our amateur bands faces a threat, the Institute must take the next step. You may recall that last year we faced loss of access to the bottom end of the 13 centimetre amateur band, 2300 to 2302 MHz, to be reallocated to spectrum licensing so that the ACMA can bundle up a tidy 100 MHz to auction off from 2300 to 2400 MHz and exclude the amateurs. A seemingly hopeless situation. The WIA took the next step and produced a submission proposing retention of amateur access to 150 kHz of the band, from 2300 to 2300.15 MHz, following up with a campaign encouraging amateurs to submit their own objections to the ACMA proposal. The outcome, you might remember, was that the ACMA said that it would work with the WIA to test whether a coexistence licensing arrangement might be developed under the Radio Communications Act. We're hopeful that that will proceed in the fullness of time. Getting back to the current ACMA inquiry into the 3.5 GHz band, the Institute's submission details the impact of loss of amateur access to 3400 to 3600 MHz and puts forward a strong case to preserve future access to this section of our 9 cm band. It's a curious thing that amateurs seek to explore and experiment with new technologies, yet retain an interest in and continued use of technologies of the past, albeit in a modern context. The WIA submission points this out, adding that innovation in the use of wireless technologies in increasingly diverse applications continues relentlessly both within and beyond the sphere of amateur radio. The WIA sees that it is important to facilitate radio amateurs' ability to adopt or adapt innovations without unnecessary impediments. The Institute's submission also made the point that while commercial and defence operations focus on reliable, high-signal-to-noise ratio communications, radio amateurs deliberately seek to explore testing and establishing communications under difficult circumstances, where weak signal reception is the norm rather than the exception. As a result, the amateur radio community, globally and in Australia, has built up a commendable record of investigation and achievement in advancing the state-of-the-art with weak signal communications technologies and techniques. No better example of that is the recently reported contact on 10 gigahertz over more than 900 kilometres using aircraft reflection between David VK38Z Portable in country Victoria and Rex VK7MO Portable in southern Queensland. Making a contact like that was not so long ago, example last year, considered to be a hopeless endeavour. But there you go, VK38Z and VK7MO took the next step. The WIA is committed to maintaining amateur service allocations across the radio frequency spectrum, both primary and secondary. Over decades, the Institute has defended assiduously the retention of amateur access to frequency bands throughout the spectrum, and we pointed this out to the ACMA. And that's quite apart from pursuing new allocations. Pablo Casals made a profound statement. The situation is hopeless. We must take the next step. When it comes to defending our spectrum allocations and operating conditions, our policy is to always take that next step. This is Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH for VK1WIA. Thanks, Roger, and it's always good to hear and let the listeners know what's uh, going on at the uh, WIA board and uh, headquarters. 
Okay, now it's to Ono. And uh, what use, Ono, is an F call? What use is an F call? Over the past two years, I've been sharing my experiences and opinions as an F call about amateur radio and the community. I've talked about learning and interacting, about participating and trying new things. Regularly, I receive feedback from you about this contribution. First of all, I'd like to say thank you for taking the time to provide that feedback. It makes it all worthwhile for me. It recently struck me that there is something else going on as well. It often feels as if the person providing the feedback is unsure of their own role in this process. Nothing happens on its own. I'm part of this community, as are you. I'm not the sole arbiter of what is good or what is bad. I'm not all-knowing, nor do I proclaim to be. My experiences are not unique, nor are they special. What they are is what they are. You are part of this experience. What you do, what you say, what you try and what you tell are what makes this hobby what it is. I know of dozens of projects, small and large, that are going on around me. People planning expeditions, building antennas, making go-kits, planning power solutions for off-grid activations, poring over maps looking for SOTA activations, building radios and amplifiers, repairing equipment, making contacts and having fun. I know that you yourself have done things that you are proud of, things you learnt that others might want to share. We're in the communications game, you and I. We communicate with those around us in voice, CW, RITI, by sharing ideas, by helping out by participating. Next time you do something, be it large or small, write it down and share it with the other people listening to this broadcast. Send your contribution in via voice or text. Don't be shy. You are what makes this hobby possible. I'm Ono, VK6FLAB. Thanks, Ono. And now to international news. International news with thanks to the IARU, the RSGB, the SARL Southgate Amateur Radio Club, the ARRL Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART and the worldwide sources of the WIA. The FCC issues $25,000 NAL for interference to aviation radar. A telecommunications organisation in Puerto Rico has been issued a proposed fine for interfering with aviation radar, this for operating a radio transmitter without a licence. The FCC's Enforcement Bureau received a complaint from the Federal Aviation Administration. A signal centred on 5610 MHz was causing interference to the Terminal Doppler weather radar installation serving the San Juan International Airport. An FCC agent using direction finding identified the source of the transmissions on 5610 MHz as coming from the rooftop of a business in San Juan. The agent, accompanied by the business owner, conducted an inspection of the installation. The fact that the company had already received a warning for similar violations warranted a proposed $25,000 penalty. And now to DX News. The passing of Bob Eldridge, VE7BS. Bob has become a silent key. He passed away on July the 15th at Lions Gate Hospital in North Vancouver, BC, after a very short stay. He was a member of the DX and Top Band community, and he was 93 years of age. Bob was a regular columnist for the Canadian amateur radio magazine TCA. In his final weeks, Bob worked up his column for the September issue and noted that it would be his final column. A tribute article in TCA is planned by the editor. 
You can get uh, some more information on that in the text edition. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. Now some DX activations. Mikel, F50ZF and Solange, F5RXL will operate as TK500 Tango Kilo 50 Oscar from the island of Corsica until the 15th of August. QSLs go via F5RXL and logs will be also uploaded to Logbook of the World. And members of the Royal Armani Amateur Radio Society will take part in an expedition to Marisha Island from the 7th to the 11th of August. The call sign will be A43MI and the IOTA reference is AS014. QSLs should go via A47RS. Markdown November as being when LW9EOC will be operational from San Andres Island November 26th until November 9th also to take part in the CQ Worldwide DXCW contest as well as the ARRL 160-metre CW contest during his stay. No call sign for this operation has been announced yet, but there is the possibility it could be 5JZ0T, QSL via LW9EOC, his home call sign. And now to news of the International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend. The countdown continues with a week to go to the International Lighthouse Lightship Weekend, Only 90 registrations are needed for it to be another record year. The annual event that began in 1998 with 158 registrations has continually gained in popularity with more than 500 stations throughout the world taking part. Several countries including Aruba, Austria, Cuba, Gibraltar and Lithuania have recently joined. In the lead is the USA on 80, followed by Germany on 62, and then Australia with 60. In Australia, the weekend shares the bands with a popular WIA Remembrance Day contest. Whilst contesting is a valid activity attracting often high-powered stations, they are mindful of the QRP lighthouse operation stations with less than ideal antennas that are also on the air. For full details of registrations and guidelines on the International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend, it's on the August the 16th and 17th, you should visit the website www.illw.net. Now to operational news, Dateline 2014, the WIA Remembrance Day Contest, the RD Contest, that's next weekend, August 16 and 17, Alara Contest, August 30 and 31, the Manly Warringah Radio Society Flagpole Contest, September 20, more about that in just a second. And Amateur Radio's International Air Ambulance Week, nine days from September 28th. Now, the Manly Warringah call to arms. Ahoy me hearties, here be Richard VK2SKY for the Manly Warringah Radio Society in Sydney. Arr. Now I know what you're thinking. What's with the hokey Long John Silver imitation? Patience, Jim Lad, and all will be revealed. About a year ago, one of our club members identified a source of modestly priced collapsible 8-meter flagpoles. We figured that these would be ideal for portable radio operations, so the club organized a bulk purchase. Our next bright idea was seeing that, how so many of us had an excuse for operating portable, we should make an event out of it. And so, in the blink of an eye, the Manly Warringah Radio Society Flagpole Contest was born. The rules were fairly simple. Go portable with an antenna on your flagpole, and contact other amateurs who had done the same. And now, here be the explanation for the Long John Silver Act. 
As it happened, the date we chose for the contest coincided with International Talk Like a Pirate Day, so a new contest rule was added, bonus points for talking like a pirate during the QSO. Now, let me make it clear that the Manly Wearing a Radio Society does not approve of piracy, be it on the air, at sea, or on the internet, but we reckon that talking like a pirate is fine, at least for this special occasion. You can also earn bonus points for dressing up like a pirate, or hoisting the skull and crossbones, or any humorous flag, on your flagpole. Photographic proof to be submitted either via email, or to the club station VK2MB on 20 meter SSTV, on 14.31415 MHz. That's the unofficial pi-rat frequency. As you probably guessed, this is not a contest for taking things seriously. This is a contest for getting on the air and having fun. Last year, we had entrants from VK2, VK3, and VK4. We're hoping to spread the piracy further afield this year, so get on the air, join in, and have some fun. The contest takes place on the 20th of September from 0 hours to 23.59 UTC. That's 10 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time on the Saturday to 10 a.m. on Sunday. Full details can be found on the Manly Warringah Radio Society website, www.mwrs.org.au. Just enter the word flagpole in the search box. Catch you on the air, Jim Lad. This be Richard VK2SKY, signing off. Arr. And if you check the text edition, there are a number of links at the bottom of the article. Thanks for that, uh, Brian. And now to Worldwide Special Interest Group News with Rescue Radio. Up in VK2, Weissen will be once again providing communications for the world-famous Shahazdar Horse Enduro held around St Albans to the northwest of Sydney from Monday the 25th to Saturday the 30th of August. The Weissen New South Wales website is at www.nsw.weissen.org.au. Find that in a text edition, and this includes contact details, including a web-based contact form and printable membership forms. Now to Worldwide Special Interest Group's satellite, the AMSAT UK Space Colloquium videos are now available. Thanks to the hard work of volunteers from the British Amateur Television Club, the BATC, videos of the presentations given to the AMSAT UK International Space Colloquium held in Guildford on July 26 and 27, 2014 are now available to view online or download to your PC. Links to the presentations, the videos, the PDFs of the slides and the schedules are at amsat-uk.org website. You'll see it on the front page there. And you can also access them on the BATV website too. And talking of video presentations, last Saturday down in Melbourne at the EMDRC Club Rooms, we had a presentation on D-Star. A number of people presenting on uh, where D-Star was Going to go in uh, Victoria, formation of the committees and things like that, but also a presentation from Michael in uh, South Australia on some technical aspects of D-Star. So we'll put the uh, link in the text edition of the news service for you to be able to pick up and uh, view a YouTube video of that presentation. To the social scene 2014. Okay, on September the 13th in VK4, the Sunshine Coast Amateur Radio Club Sunfest Wombai School of Arts. September 14, VK3, Shepparton and District Amateur Radio Club Hamfest kicks off at 10am. And on September the 28th, again in VK3, the Melbourne Amateur Radio Technology Group Hamfest, and that's at Keelor East. Now to October 3rd, VK4, Townsville Amateur Radio Club's Cardwell Gathering four-day event. You heard about that earlier. And October the 11th, in VK4, the Redcliffe Redfest Kapulcha. 
October 19th, down in VK3, the Barg Hamvention Ballarat. And on October the 25th in VK4, the Hamfest on the Gold Coast. November 2nd, VK5, Hamfest, Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society. And a week later in November the 9th, it's the VK3 Yarra Valley Amateur Radio Group Hamfest, 10am at the Gary Cooper Pavilion. November 15, VK7, the Myena Hamfest. OK, now to uh, November the 30th in VK3, the Spark Hamfest at Rosebud. Ah, Rob, we're at the tail end, mate, and the feedback. Now, listeners, send it in because we are at the top of the feedback today going to thank Mark, VK4FMAR. Hope he's listening. I expect he is. He just wrote in and said, new F licence and enjoying the learning curve. Love it. And we also heard from Tim, VK2WI. A note from Tim at uh, VK2 Whiskey India. That's the amateur radio New South Wales call sign. Tim says that along with the callback reports from the Central Coast and Tamworth, he says hello to Graham and keep enjoying your holiday. I note it takes two VK3s to replace one VK4 news anchor. On the other hand, Rob. For August the 3rd edition, he reports that an aggregate of 149 callbacks across the broadcast system running on 160 to 40 metres and 6 metres through the 23 centimetre bands. So the VK3 news readers appreciate his work in getting their voices to the ears of so many VK amateurs. Thank you very much, Tim. Who has the last laugh? now, Rob. Now to Paul, VK2 PNH. I would like to say thank you to the WIA for finally making available the AR magazine as a digital download. I read all my other magazines via my iPad and it's now great that I can do this with a WIA AR magazine each month. Can't wait till you can pick it either digital or hard copy of the magazine. Uh, thanks for the great work you guys do with the weekly WIA news. I look forward to listening to it every week. And as we say each week until next week, we've reported and you decide. We've reported, you decide.